your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Wilson in the backfield with Cephas Johnson. Now they go empty. Back to throw as Johnson has some time. Steps, throws, pass intercepted. Picked off by Eric Lee. 15, 10, Lee, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. It's a pick six by Eric Lee. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Tonight begins the 100th season of National Football League action. The Green Bay Packers travel to Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears. All right, football's now going. College football last weekend, the NFL starts tonight. Love it. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us here tonight. Here's what we have coming up on the show. We're going to hear from the head football coach, Scott Frost, in a little bit. He met with the media late this morning after the Huskers walkthrough today to talk about the upcoming matchup in Boulder on Saturday against the Colorado Buffaloes. We'll have our Nebraska football show coming up in hour number two. Defensive coordinator Eric Chenander in studio tonight. So we'll be taking calls, get his uh, thoughts about the opener, his thoughts about matching up with the Buffaloes for the second straight year. So get your comments and questions ready for Coach Chenander. He'll be here in hour two. Thursdays means our chance to chat with Teddy Greenside of the Chicago Tribune. He did a baseball or a football, college football double dip over the weekend. He traveled to Palo Alto to see Northwestern play Stanford, then came back to the Midwest and caught the Notre Dame-Louisville game on Monday. We'll get his take on those two matchups. And we'll hear from the play-by-play voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson, also coming up in our number three. And those full lines open for you, as always, at 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Last night we were talking about a column that appeared in the Denver Post, poking fun at Nebraska, some of those – you know, age-old hayseed jokes about Nebraska and poking at Nebraska, you know, for their great history, but how far they've fallen and all these things. And I, I thought I, – I was thinking about this today. In fact, I was on with our our buddy Ben Nick Hanley of uh, AM590 up in Omaha this afternoon, and we, we got into this topic a little bit. And I, I was thinking, okay, some of the rivals for Nebraska down through the years – the Colorados, the K-States, the Iowas, it, it seems like a lot of their media love to poke fun at Nebraska and their fans. And instead of, <laughs> instead of writing about their teams, it seems like they pen more columns, write more pieces about poking at Nebraska and poking at Nebraska's history and that, you know, we've fallen from the heights of this thing. But in, as I said, the more I think about it, it's a great compliment to Nebraska that, they, that the one thing they can write and kind of fire up their fan base and sell papers and all that is to poke fun at Nebraska's history and that we're not where we were in the 1990s. Instead of talking about Colorado, and I, mentioned, I did mention this last time when we were into this discussion about the Denver Post thing, nowhere in that column did he happen to write that the Buffaloes with their win – Last Friday snapped a seven-game losing skid. I mean, they, they ended last year with seven straight losses, so that was their first win in an awful long time last week when they beat CSU. But in a way, it is a compliment to Nebraska that they don't have enough to talk about whether it's Iowa or Colorado or K-State down to the years. It's easier to tear down Nebraska, the big, bad Nebraska who's been good for so long. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, if there are, are are two teams playing on the field and you cover one of those teams and there's 
really not a lot you can say that gets your your fans fired up about your team well it's only natural to you know and and I think the other part is it seems like and it definitely is the case Nebraska fans doesn't don't let that stuff go like if it's on social media they're they're a very vocal fan base and that can get them in some in trouble sometimes which is which is fine it speaks to the passion that they have and so I think it becomes an easy target and um, like that, that one dude, I don't even know his name in, in Iowa that gets Husker fans riled up all the time. He only does that because of the attention that it gets. It, it draws a lot of attention. Right. And his program can't get attention any other way unless, you know, it, it, it makes some sort of makes a, a point of somebody else. Like he would not be popular if he was talking just about Iowa football. So what he did was, you know, put a Nebraska spin on it and tear down Nebraska, knowing that it would get a rise out of our fans and it would get a lot of reaction. And that's exactly what happens. This is the same thing with Colorado. Um, and, you know, it's it's not surprising to me that that's the road that they take. Does it bother me? Not really. I, I don't, I'm not really concerned with what Colorado thinks because after – at this time next week – Nebraska's in the rearview mirror, and they're going to struggle to win games in the Pac-12. So it doesn't really matter to me what they think about us uh, because, you know, win or lose on Saturday, we're going to have a chance to win the Big Ten West Division and play for a conference championship, and they won't. And that that's what matters to me. Can you think of any Nebraska media member that takes shots at other schools like some of those media people do to Nebraska? I, I can't. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm thinking of the, are the lead columnists in Omaha and Lincoln, TV anchors in Omaha and Lincoln, even talk show hosts in Omaha or Lincoln, or either points around the set. I don't, I can't think of anybody that just openly goes out and takes shots at other programs like that. And, and maybe it's because we're just too nice. That, <laughs> but we also have history on our side too. Where this has been a winning program for 50 years. We've also fired in the last 20 years two head coaches that were routinely winning nine games a season because that wasn't really good enough in the eyes of Nebraska fans that they want and then strive for more than that where a lot of those schools they're renaming buildings after those coaches that win nine games routinely at schools they would be building statues erecting office space with those guys names on the outside I guess it's just a it's a different level yeah, and, and and here's the thing: is writers and show hosts and everything, or beat writers around here don't need to because there's enough interest about our program, there you go. about our backup safety, there you about go. our starting corner, about who got a black shirt this week, about the way Adrian Martinez played. That is enough to to satisfy our fans. I mean, people listen to our show because they want to hear about the Huskers. People don't didn't turn us on tonight because they want to hear us rip on Colorado. Would they hate it if we did? No, but. You know, they, they expect us to talk about the Huskers. We're having Eric Shenander in studio tonight to talk about the Huskers, to talk about five takeaways, to talk about two defensive touchdowns, to talk about Cam Taylor Britt, to talk about Eric Lee. That's enough for our fans. And, and that's one great thing about our program in Alabama and Clemson and USC and, and Texas. Is we don't need to, to do that to have people attention come to our program and i get it if if you're a team that's really struggled to get noticed put people in stands get clicks on your articles get retweets um you know what get people to call into your show if you struggle to do that you have to get creative and find other ways to generate interest in what you're doing 
to get validated. Well, it turns out in Nebraska, you don't, we don't need to do that to have attention come to our program. Our fans are going to be interested in our program, as we found out, even in the darkest of years, when no one cares about, and, and every other school in the country, except for maybe the ones I named, no one's going to care about a second-string defensive end on a 4-8 and eight football team except here at Nebraska. Right. It matters. And and so I would say the writers and everybody around here they don't need to take that those shots because you know they're going to get the interest just because the team that they cover has a big red end on it. There you go. That's the bottom line of that that whole story. Look back to last November. Awful day against Michigan State. I mean, it's 15 degrees, snow flying around. The Huskers are 3 and 7 and that place is full. I mean, what what a tribute Again, to the fans, uh, and also I'll, I'll pat the back on some of the, 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 our media folks around this state as well. They, they cover this team, and they talk about that backup defensive end, or they're very interested in the kicking situation that's going on with Nebraska right now, which we're going to get into with Scott Frost coming up in a little bit. There is still a lot of concern about Barrett Pickering and his availability for Saturday's game out in Boulder. But got into that topic earlier today on one of our affiliates. We talked about it last night on the program. And it just got me to thinking about how come that kind of stuff doesn't happen here? And you summed it up perfectly there. Time for tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Practice reports brought to you by JTEC Construction. Time to replace your home siding, but not sure where to start? Start with JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. JTEC specializes in seamless steel siding, always providing free consultations. Well, we've heard from the offense, we've heard from the defense. Time to hear from head coach Scott Frost on the week that was. Husker football practice ahead of Colorado. He started out by addressing this week of practice and how it was a little bit better than what he saw a week ago. This week's a lot better. Um, defense had a good week. Offense was considerably better. Uh, leaps and bounds better, actually. So we tell the guys all the time they don't all of a sudden show up on Saturday and play well. They gotta, they gotta earn that. And how you practice, how you're gonna play, and I'll feel a lot better about things if we play the way we practice this week. I mean, you hope that's the truth. You hope that, you know, Nebraska did come out and, and have an edge to him on, in practice, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. And that was one of, in my opinion, the contributing factors of why they were so slow out of the gate against South, South Alabama. Just seemed a step slow, a step off. Maybe they were reading too much of their offseason clips. You're right. You hope that what the head coach said there is accurate and lays out that way on Saturday. First road trip of the year means not the entire travel party or the p- team will travel with the Huskers, and he addressed the, the numbers that they're taking out with them to Boulder. I think we're going to take 80, maybe 81. Um, you know, we're not under restriction, but we also don't want to take the whole roster, so I think it's going to be 80 or 81, and that'll give us a couple other guys for depth at a couple positions. Starting to get ready for those conference rules because they really put a, a, a strict number on that, and... I mean, even injured players. Yeah, they kind of get you. The conference and the NCAA altogether did bump it from 70 to 74 for conference games because of the redshirt rule, uh, which that coincides with that, so that helps. But, yeah, about 80 usually is about right for a non-conference trip. 
One of the situations we talked about very briefly to open the show was Nebraska's kickers and no Barrett Pickering on Saturday uh, against South Alabama, and it was walk-on Dylan Jorgensen handling the, the kicking duties. What about emergency kickers? What's the other situation behind now the walk-on? Yeah, we actually had some of those kicks today to see how else can do it. Uh, and we got a decision to make. Uh, Isaac Armstrong can kick and does a good job. Um, Lane McCallum, uh, who's a walk-on DB for us, transferred in from Air Force, kicked at Air Force. So um, both those guys got some reps today. Definitely a concern going into a, a week in which we're expecting a close game to have a shaky spot at the at the kicker when you if if Barrett Pickering was healthy that would be a, a big benefit for Nebraska a big edge in the kicking game instead it's it's the contrary makes you real nervous doesn't it I mean you get the feeling this is going to be a close game that a kick here or there or a missed kick here or there could mean the difference so these are the kind of things that worry coaches to death. It's why they all get gray hair or lose their hairs because of things just like this. Who could have forecast this a month ago that you're dealing with an injury to your kicker? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, just not a good situation to have, especially early in the season. Colorado, the opponent, what stands out about the Buffaloes to the head coach? Here's Coach Frost. Uh, you know, it's a lot of the same guys, and we're familiar with those guys, for most of them from being here last year. You know, I, I was impressed with how well coordinated and organized they were for being a, a first game under a new coach. You know, watching their, their defense, they have quite a few veterans. Uh, offensively, it helps when you have a senior quarterback when you're coming in as a new coach. But you can tell they've done a good job, and you know, all their track records as coaches uh, would suggest that uh, they're going to get the guys up and going quick. Yeah, so Colorado, a lot of the same parts, but going through the same things that Nebraska went through with uh, with a first-year head coach in Mel Tucker. It's it's different. I thought offensively when I watched them against the Rams, man, that they were different. They looked like they want to establish the run more than, than the teams did uh, in the past at CU. Fontenot's a very good back. They won't run away from Nebraska's defensive front. You touched on this in the opening segment of the program. They won't, they'll try to attack Nebraska between the tackles. They'll try to get Fontenot going up the A and B gaps. So Nebraska's defensive front, much different test this week than they had last week. Yeah, no question about it. Well, we talked a lot already about the front seven for Nebraska. What about the back end and the secondary? We also talked about backup players in the in the first segment, and one of those guys that uh, was originally a backup and a walk-on to the program is now thrust into action with the injury to Deontay Williams, Eli Sullivan. Here's head coach talking about what Sullivan brings to the table. Eli's doing a great job. Um, I think you're starting to see the walk-on program that we have here starting to help us, and Eli's a great example. He's just battled and battled and improved and improved. And when he got his chance, he came in and made plays. He was hungry, and he came and did a great job. So uh, he's the guy we feel good about if he's pressed into service. Sully, as they call him, uh, drew a lot of praise from his teammates. Cam Taylor Britt and especially Eric Lee says, this, this guy's a coach on the field. You might not have heard of him, but he knows what's going on. He knows where everyone needs to be. He's out there making all the calls, and nice to see him step in and make some plays. Doing a great job, and you know we noticed him on special teams, and then all of a sudden with the injury to Deontay Williams, he got some time in that secondary and made plays. And so good for him, and he is going back home as well. Longmont, Colorado young man. Absolutely, and it'd be nice to see him step in and play well and front of uh, what's sure to be a lot of friends and family 
First road game can always provide a, a different type of test to a team playing away from home for the first time. Huskers only have to wait till their second game to do it. What does Coach Frost want to see f- from his players on the road? I just want focus. I think I think we practiced that way all week. So I, I think our team's excited to play. They understand how big a test this is. This is a tough place to play. It has been uh, for a long time. I've played there and coached there and understand the challenges. So I think these guys are ready and they're anxious to play. Yeah, focus is is the key word there. And I was on a, a couple of radio shows today and both asked about Colorado specifically and, and playing on the road. And this team's pretty hungry, I think. And and it's not just because it's the first road game, but it's because of who the opponent is. And not even necessarily because of all the rivalry talk, but it's just what happened a year ago. The, the, I mean, they want some payback. They do, and they've been thinking about it for an awful long time. And, again, go back to your locker room show Saturday. You, you interviewed four guys, two of them unprompted, brought it up there. They have talked a lot amongst themselves about this matchup. I think you will see a team ready to fight on Saturday. Nebraska had some banged-up bodies uh, in the latter part of fall camp with guys missing some time. Uh, Wandale Robinson, Kanavai Noah, J.D. Spielman, uh, Maurice Washington, a lot of guys that uh, you know were banged up and, and miss miss some practice time. What's different about this week in that regard? And you know, are they able to get a more, I should say, better sense of who's going to be out there and, and reps to be distributed on Saturday? Yeah, it's just you know one of the reasons practice has been better is we had everybody up in full speed this week. You know, Cam Jurgens is gets healthier every week. Conavinoa was uh, practicing full all week. Uh, you know, Maurice Washington being in the fold is going to help, and he practiced full uh, this week. J.D. practiced full. So uh, a lot of the guys that had missed reps got a bunch more this week, and, and rep- repetition matters. And you hope more rhythm, more uh, cohesion, and all those kind of cliche things come with it. You're in there for the game plan. You're going to feel a lot better about yourself and more confident on Saturdays. No doubt. Um, They don't talk about injuries. To me, the two that seem like the most likely not to play would be Deontay Williams, who left last week with some kind of shoulder injury. And obviously big question marks about Barrett Pickering. Those are the two to me that stand out. Everybody else, I think, ought to be good to go in this one. Cam Jurgens was brought up about handling some some criticism of of some, some poor play in the first game. Coach Frost did address that today about Cam and what makes him up as a good player and what he likes about him. Cam actually played well. I thought he blocked pretty well. Um, we just had, you know, those snaps in the game, um, you know, one, one killed the drive for sure when we snapped it over a quarterback's head. But when we were asking a quarterback to catch a ball and read something or read coverage um, or make a read in the run game, uh, and, and he's looking up and jumping to catch a ball and not even on the ground, it, it disrupts a lot of things for us. Uh, it's been a lot better this week. Uh, we still got to see it in a game, but I got a ton of faith in Cam Jurgens. He's he's not only a, a great athlete, uh, he's got a little nasty in him. Uh, he's a Nebraska kid that is as tough as most of the guys on the team, and um, he plays that way. So I'm excited about him going forward. I'm asked a ton. I'm sure you're asked a ton about Cam Jurgens, and I'm just going to elude people from now on to that cut because, you know, it, it can sound one way coming from us, but if it's the head coach saying it and explaining it uh, about what makes him a special part to the team, you know, it, his opinion is the only one that matters. Right. If they see 
things in him that he can bring to the offense and they trust him, he's going to be the one out there. I think people, if they saw Cam compete at anything in high school, whether it was football, basketball, track and field, you saw what a great athlete he is. That's what the coaches think. We all need to keep in mind, he's a redshirt freshman who played his first snap of college football last week. So he's still really young at this thing, but you also got to be better than that. You got to be better snapping the ball back to your QB. Some member of the media had uh, the courage to ask Coach Frost about a revenge tour, you know, some type of uh, way that the, the players react and, and getting back after a 4-8 and eight season. I'll just let you listen to the response. I've never heard revenge tour, so that's not something we use. That's not our way of thinking. Our way of thinking is play the best we can in practice today and in the game Saturday. You know, plus that's already been used by somebody in our league, and I'm not going to jump on board with anything that comes from up north. So it's not about that for us, and it's not about what happened last year. It's not about a lot of the things that fans are making it into. It's about us going out, being focused, and playing well, and uh, seeing if we can come out with a win. Note to self, don't bring up revenge tour to the head coach. Good to know. I will not do that. All right, very good. He seemed locked in. Yeah, as he should be. Thursday, get on the plane tomorrow. Go take care of business. Here we go. A lot of Husker fans already have made their way out to the Boulder, the Denver-Boulder area enjoying some of the mountains before the Huskers get there tomorrow. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. USA threatening to take the lead here. Johnson gets hit, fumbles, football's out, picked up by Nebraska. The Huskers, Lamar Jackson forces the fumble with a blitz off the edge, drilling the quarterback, and the Huskers take over at the 30-yard line. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Wilson in the backfield. With Cephas Johnson, now they go empty. Back to throw as Johnson has some time. Steps, throws, pass intercepted. Picked off by Eric Lee. 15, 10, Lee, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. It's a pick six by Eric Lee. Tonight, defensive coordinator, Eric Chandrier. Snap back, Johnson has it. Sets, throws, pass behind. Deflected, picked off by Cam. Go, baby. To Go, baby. 20. Cam to the 30, to the 40, 45. Knocked out on the 49-yard line. Cam Taylor stepping in there, picking off the pass near the goal line. The Huskers' fourth turnover forced of the game, and that stops that threat from USA. Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at buyfordnow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Hi, thank you. Welcome. Our second show of the year coming off the Huskers opening game, the victory over South Alabama, 35-21. Coach Janander with us for the next hour. Here are the phone numbers if you want to be a part of this hour, 866 Husker 1 5371 All right, you saw the game. Then you go back and you break it all down. Was it different when you looked at it on tape compared to how you thought you felt it was going to the naked eye? I think it was kind of kind of what we thought. There's a lot of things to fix, but really happy with the effort, really happy with um, obviously the turnovers and the scores on defense. And just I'm just happy for the kids. Everything that they've done this summer is, is – you know, happening on the field, which is is always a good sign, and um, definitely some things to fix off tape. But we saw those during the game. A couple guys that was a great lesson for your entire football team. You got to be ready, even if you're not a starter. Eric Lee is the guy I'm thinking of. Not a starter, but bang, an injury happens. You got to get in there and you got to make plays, and he did. I mean, that's a and also a good testament to just hanging in there and sticking with it. 
Yeah, I'm proud. I'm so proud of that kid. Um, I said on the radio the other day, he, he, there was definitely some growing pains when the staff came in. Just um, There always is. Um, he's stuck it out. He's worked. He's done everything the right way, and he got himself in the football game, and he made the most of it. He took that thing over, and another guy is Eli Sullivan. He got in the game, and um, when his number was called, he was ready to go, and that was a lot of guys, Garrett Nelson and, and yep. some of the defensive linemen. So I was, I was really happy for those kids that, that got their chance and they took advantage of it. You moved Eric Lee. He was a corner first couple of years in college, but it looks like his, his body may be more suited to be a safety. Yeah, and I think we thought that um, – you know, with with Cam rotating in that corner, um, and some of those young guys that we got, some of the freshmen, we had enough depth at corner, but we were a little thin at safety. So Eric being able, and I, I asked him, I said, Eric, well, how do you feel about playing safety? And he just said, Coach, whatever you need, whatever's best for the team. So we thought moving him to safety would help the team a little bit, and it, it's worked out pretty well. Cam Tater, you mentioned him, Cam Tater Britt. I need to get used to saying that because we we certainly want to go with what Cam wants. Man, what a versatile player! Yeah, I've seen you use him at corner, nickel. I think he was even at safety the other day for a couple snaps. Yeah, when when I went and recruited Cam, he was obviously a quarterback in high school, um, but he was such a dynamic athlete, such a great leader on his high school football team. I thought he would excel at any position we put him at in the field, probably not O-line or D-line, but um, any position on offense, skill position, any any skill position on defense. So he's a, it's awesome to have a guy like that. We can use him in a lot of different ways. We can match him up. We can blitz him. We can play him at safety, corner, nickel, like you said. Um, he's a great special teams player. So he's just a, it's a really nice to have a few guys like that. How hard is it, Coach, to, to be able to do all, to kind of learn all all those spots um you know i think it's not for everybody um but there's a there's a lot of guys that are able to do it and i think our our coaching staff um you know coach fisher coach rude coach dewitt coach tioti um they kind of teach the system and not so much you're going to do this you're going to do that um so they teach our whole team the system and in that way we can cross train those players if an injury comes up if we're short of a position if we're on the road and we can only travel so many guys and i think that's that's really good uh, strategy by those guys you mentioned coach tuioti that's a new addition to this staff you had to, to make coach dawson left for the for the nfl um how's that gone getting a new guy to be a part of your defensive team yeah, it's it's gone. Uh, to be honest with you, much much better than I could have even expected. I knew he was a he was a good man. I knew he was a good football coach just from uh, references we got and some of the guys I knew that had coached with him. Um, obviously, losing Coach Dawson was a um, not ideal for us. He's a he's a good friend of of mine and a lot of ours, and he's a really good football coach too. But. Um, Coach T has come in here, and he's done an unbelievable job. Those guys are playing at a high level, uh, very smart, adds ideas to our room, um, helps helps stabilize our culture. He has to earn their respect, right? I mean, you come in as a new position coach, you got to kind of earn the guys in your room's respect. It looks like that's happened. Yeah, and especially with a, a veteran group like he had. Right. You know, you have uh, the Davis brothers and the Dan guys and Ben Stilley and some guys that have done it for a long time, but I think he's earned their respect. I know he has, um, and they're, they're one cohesive unit right now. How do you feel about that group up front? Uh, I really like that group up front. I think, you know, you have the potential right now to, to roll in six seven eight nine guys you have the potential to, to run four-man fronts three-man fronts whatever you need to do those guys are great learners and they play um, really really good football when, when they get on the field last year there, there were a couple of injuries that you hate having injuries happen during a football season but the two in particular maybe benefited 
the Husker program for a long term, and the players, and that's Will Honus and DeAndre Thomas. Both got hurt before they passed that four-game thing where they would lose the year. You got them now for another year. That's a nice little bonus in some ways. I know that they got hurt. You don't want that to ever happen. No, you, you know what? And um, DeAndre was one where we kind of had to make a decision because he might have been able to come back, but we, just like you said, we thought it would benefit the team. He said, Coach, I'm up for anything. If you want me to redshirt, um, we, we thought it was the best decision for him and for us moving forward. And Will Honus, um, you know, it's funny you say that because me and him were sitting in the training room with his mom, and we kind of said, you know what, this is an awful situation. I don't want anybody to be hurt, but I think this might be the best thing for you in the future because you're only going to get better. You're going to get stronger in the program. You're going to learn the defense while you're sitting out. And he's been on fire for all camp. Are both those guys, you feel like, completely over their injuries? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you that either one of those guys were hurt. So knock on wood that you know. Thomas had a good camp. Yeah, didn't abs- he? absolutely. He's a. He's just a guy that he just makes plays. And, and you, you know, you look at um, the whole D line. You know, he's a. He's not maybe as big as some of those guys. Right. Um, as he walks in the door, he's. He's not. You don't say, well, he's my first pick, but he just makes plays. He makes plays. He makes plays, and he had a great camp. As old as that room is, and you talked about the Davises are seniors. The older Daniels is a senior. You've got Deshaun Neal is a senior. You're gonna you get hit a little bit. Having Thomas for an extra year may really benefit kind of even out those classes a little bit as you move down the road here. Yeah, I think we put ourselves in a in a good position. Um, and you, you never know until it happens, but I think we've been yeah. in a good position where, you know, you have some leadership coming back. You got Ben Stilley, um, you've got Damian Daniels, you've got DeAndre, you're gonna have Jakeem Green ready to step in that room, and then we've got some really great freshmen, Tate Wilson. Them in Casey Rogers, Mosai Newsom, Ty Robinson. You know, you've got a, a really good group behind them that's learning right now. Um, tough year for them. They're behind some really good football players. They've got to get in the weight room. They've got to learn the package, but they're going to be really, really good in the future. Defensive coordinator Eric Chenander with us tonight here on our Nebraska football show, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We talked a lot about the defensive line in the opening segment. Let's talk about the linebackers a little bit. I know one of the things you'd like to do is maybe distribute the snaps a little bit. I think you felt like Mohamed Berry maybe played too much last year and is affecting this win down. You're a little thin at that spot. Were you able to do some of that last week in that opener? Yeah, I think – you know, Mo Berry, Will Honus, Colin Miller all played some equal reps. And then, um, you know, we'd love to be able to get Joey Johnson in the game. And um, hopefully we get some of these other guys back off injury, Luke Reimer and uh, Nick Henrich. Hopefully those guys can get some reps too because I think those are good young football players that need to bank some reps and maybe um, take some off our guys when it's appropriate. I think also uh, Coach DeWitt did a good job of rolling in the outside linebackers get a lot of people playing time and a lot of people reps. Colin Miller, tell me, tell me about his development that you've seen since you've been here. Yeah, he's he's another awesome kid. Um, you know, we asked him to move to inside linebacker, which he was, you know, another guy that said, Coach, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Um, last year, you know, he was okay. You know, he looked like there was just a little bit missing. This year in spring ball on the fall camp, 
it was a totally different guy. You know, even Coach Frost came in one day and said, man, Colin Miller's really good. I was like, I, Coach, I, I don't know what happened, but Barrett Rude must have worked his magic because he's a, he's a different guy and he's a really good football player. He's got a little fire to him. He always has had kind of a fire about him, loves to play the sport. And I know you, you and the staff talk all the time about you're trying to find guys who really love to play. He would fit that. Yeah, it's, it's not even so much loving to play. It's just guys that love football that want to come in and see us. They want to watch film. They want to be with their teammates and he's one of those guys and like cam taylor he's another versatile guy he can um you know you can do a lot of stuff with him he can play inside backer he can play outside backer he can rush the passer on third down so he's another guy you have a lot of uh, utility with okay let's go from the inside to the outside backers what about that group what have you seen through august and then through the first week of the season yeah, I think we have more depth there than we thought we were going to, um, which is a, a good problem. Um, obviously, you know, you have Alex Davis, uh, Caleb Tanner, JoJo Doman, um, Garrett Nelson, Tyron Ferguson. So you, you have a lot of guys that can, that can make plays, and all those guys played in the game. All of them made plays, and, you know, JoJo's a guy where you can do a lot of things. He can kind of be that nickel slash backer. He can also rush the edge a little bit. Um, Alex is kind of a hybrid D-end outside backer, as is Garrett Nelson and, and Caleb Tanner and Tyron Ferguson are kind of true Sam linebackers. So you, you kind of have a, a mix of guys, but you have a good mix. How, how, how big a ceiling does Caleb Tanner have? I mean, you just look at him. He looks like a million bucks. We know he's a good athlete. How, there's a lot still in there, isn't there? Uh, yeah, he's he's the sky's the limit with him, and I think he's he's going to get better throughout this year, and he's going to get better his his third and fourth year in the program, especially as he continues to gain a little good weight with uh, with Coach Dubell. You you pressured last week a couple different spots. It looks like he came off the edge. Lamar had a sack. Cam Tater came up. It looked like he might have been lined up as a safety on that play that led to the touchdown. The pressures last week seemed to come from the edge. What do you what do you see in a defensive or an offensive front that leads you to make those calls? Do you see a certain thing? Maybe not enough protection in the backfield. What do you, what keys do you see to call those? No, I think as we go into the game, um, we've got a pretty good idea. Coach Tuioti kind of handles the protection. Um, he's our expert in protection, so he kind of gives us a good beat on, on where we can uh, maybe take advantage of some things they're doing. And also up in the box, um, a lot of good guys up there. Um, Coach DeWitt's up there. Coach Jack Cooper's up there. Coach Dimitri Brim. Um, Coach Ryan Feeder. All those guys are up there and they're kind of giving me the information as the game goes along and what looks we've shown and what pressures kind of match up to those looks so um, I thought we got good push um, in the middle in the pocket and then it was time to hit them on the edge do you just talk to those guys in the box when the offense has the ball or are you in communication while you're playing defense or do you have to just concentrate on what your calls are going to be no no some you know the the rules of the NCAA now are some guys are um, listen only upstairs okay. and some guys are are can communicate to me, yeah all the time so kind of what happens is the the listen only guys are, are charting keeping track of their information and I'll talk to those guys when the offense has the ball the other guys are kind of giving me a play by play as personnel comes in as down and distance comes in as formation comes in so it's a constant communication from upstairs to downstairs that can be different week one too because you're not really in a rhythm yet first game of every season how'd that part go last week for you I think it went really smooth um coach frost is is really good at giving us what we need and so there was probably four or five times in fall camp where we said coach we need to get the headsets out for this practice in the stadium this practice inside because uh, we have a new group on defense you know we only had 
one new full-time coach and then a couple new graduate assistants, but it's a new group on defense and we need to work the headphones a little bit. And he was, he's, you know, more than accommodating. That's, that's the fascinating part of football to me that we don't see. I mean, people see you, you're down on the sidelines and you're usually signaling in, but they have no idea what you're talking about with the, the eyes in the sky, those coaches that are sitting up top. And I know they're pretty valuable to you. Have you ever been up there? Yeah, I was actually um, I was actually up in the box for when I was at Northern Iowa. I was down a little bit, but at Oregon and the Philadelphia Eagles, I was up. up. Yeah, um, so I can. And the good thing about that is I can tell them what I need and in what you know I used to do. And not that that's always right. They've those guys upstairs have added some things that I should have been doing a long time ago. Um, but they're they're doing everything for me. They're keeping track of hey, you've called this on this down and distance don't forget about this you said you wanted to run that um so those guys do an unbelievable job and, and they're as important as anybody yeah that's fascinating i love love the ins and outs of that all right let's talk secondary a little bit uh we talked about eric lee lamar jackson had a big hit forced to fumble he's come a long ways in 12 months hasn't he yeah he sure has and um i just think you know he's he's turned his his whole demeanor around he's He's a really fun guy to be around right now. He's playing good football. Um, I, I told him, and this is no shock to him, that the physicality was missing a little bit last year, and he set out to improve that all through fall camp, and he showed that on Saturday. Um, he became a new father in the spring, and he, he's only gotten better from that. So I, I'm really proud of that guy too, and um, I'm looking forward for him to have a big year. Didn't I don't remember them throwing his wave a lot Saturday. Maybe they did more than I think. They seemed to go after DeCap a little bit more, and he was up for the challenge. How about that young man's play? Yeah, and DiCaprio, he's – I mean, I thought he played really well last year. Um, he gives us some leadership even though he's not a captain, um, but he's a really good football player. And um, what he probably lacks in height, he makes up with lateral movement and just his willingness to get the football. And um, he's not afraid to hit you either. So I, I really like our corner situation right now. You're rolling some different safeties out there. You you have some seniors that are gone off the team now. And one guy that I don't know a year ago, if you'd have told me he'd be a starter, I'd have believed you, and that's Markel Dismuke. I knew he was pretty good on teams. He laid off making a big block on that punt return that sprang J.D. because he could have blindsided a guy, and that thing would have gotten called back. But he's grabbed a hold of that safety spot, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and I think we all knew he was a good football player. You know, he just had to to get some other things in order, and, and he's done that. And, you know, kudos to that guy too. And he's, he's one of my favorite guys to be around right now. And, and like you said um, last year, I don't know if I'd have said that, but he's an unbelievable kid. He's a great teammate. He's playing good football. He, he works hard at it. And um, he's just a, a different young guy right now. And I'm really, really proud of him, and I'm happy for him. Hated to see the injury last week to Deontay because I know he had a pretty good camp. He's got a lot of fire, likes to hit people. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, that, was, that was unfortunate that he got hurt, and we'll kind of see day to day where he's at. But um, you know, like we said, we he, he's a really good football player. He's going to be here for uh, we got another year with him for sure. And but the good news is there's guys that can that can come in and, and spell him. Experience the value of working side by side with a channel seedsman who can evaluate fields and select channel products, place to perform in your specific growing conditions. Find your channel seedsman at channel.com. 866-HUSKER-1, the number if you'd like to dot us up with a comment or question. Let's get into Colorado a little bit. Played him a year ago. A lot of the same personnel back, but a new coaching staff. So that changes. So you have one game with this new coaching staff that they've played. How different did they look to you from what we saw 12 months ago? 
Yeah, that's always a scary thing when you got one one game on somebody. But I, I, me and you were talking earlier, and I think you know it looked like they wanted to probably get a little more physical in the run game. Um, obviously, LaVisca Chenault is an unbelievable football player, and I think you're going to have to find out where he's at. They're going to feature him. Um, I think they have a really good quarterback. Uh, Montez has done, you know, he's done it for a long time. Uh, he's not quite the runner that some guys we see, but he can run it efficiently and he can make all the throws. Um, I think they're better up front. They have, uh, you know, a nice tight end, and they have some other receivers that can really um, run and, and, and complement Chenault. So I think they're a good football team. The head coach, Mel Tucker, was the defensive coordinator at Georgia. When I watched the game last week with Colorado State, kind of went through my mind, he wants to kind of develop an SEC style there. Do you see some of that with what yeah. he's trying to do? Yeah, I think I think that uh, that offense kind of complements what they did at Georgia and also, um, you know, what some of the other teams in the SEC look like right now. So I think he probably wants to bring that uh, brand of football to the Pac-12. All right, back to the phones. Rico, you're up next with Coach Janander. Hey, Greg, great show. Coach, uh, congrats on the first win of the season, and uh, keep it up. And, uh, hey, I just have a question. I know you're originally from Iowa, and uh, we have a thing here in Nebraska. I'm not sure if you guys do as well, but we have a thing called eight-man football and also six-man football. But um, a couple of coaching staffs ago, Nebraska had an opportunity to take probably two of the most talented defensive linemen that have ever come out of the state, uh, and that would have been Nathan Budgeta from Howells and uh, uh, Drew Ott out of Giltner. And I just was kind of curious what your philosophy is on recruiting kids from these smaller uh, gridiron, eight-man, six-man uh, schools, and if that's something that you don't shy away from and it doesn't scare you, or if that is something that you kind of have to take into consideration during the recruiting process. And I'll hang up, and thanks, guys. Good luck this Saturday, Coach. Thank you. Um, to answer your question, for, for me, um, especially kids in the state of Nebraska and within the uh, neighboring states, we need to find every kid uh, possible. I don't care if they play eight-man football or I don't care if they play the biggest level of football. Uh, I want the best players, period, that love football and want to be a Husker. Um, I, You know, obviously in Iowa there is eight-man football, one of the – best kids I've ever recruited from eight-man football when I was at Ellsworth Community College. Um, I'm pretty sure Scott Frost, Wood River, probably isn't a huge high school. I've never been there, but um, our head coach loved, loves kids from those those areas. So I think you just need to do a great job evaluating them. If they're the best, field, uh, best player on the field when they're playing eight-man football, they're probably going to be the best player on the field when they're playing 11-man football. So um, we don't shy away from those guys, definitely, and I'd love to have a few of those kids on our team. Nebraska 811 says go dig red. Before you dig, always call or click 811 to have your utility lines marked. It's free. It's easy. It's the law. Huskers getting ready to travel to Boulder to take on the Buffaloes. You were there a few times in your days on the Oregon staff playing at the what's one a real pretty setting with the mountains right behind the stadium there. Yeah, it's a good setting. It's a good uh, stadium. Obviously, the fans are right on top of you, and they're – they're going to probably uh, let you know a few things about yourself that you didn't know previously. Um, but but it's, a, it's, a good, it's a great place for a college football game. It's a great place for our, our kids to, to you know, experience once in their lifetime. And um, I'm fired up to go. 
It's not your state, but Colorado's been pretty good to the Husker program. you got a handful of guys on the roster from Colorado, so playing out there, there's a lot of Husker alums that live in the Denver area, but that's certainly part of that kind of 500-mile radius of, of campus that you need to keep an eye on for recruiting as well. Yeah, it's been good to us. I think Barrett Rood's got that area along with Nebraska, and he's done an unbelievable job there. Um, we've got some really good players from Colorado on our football team, and um, – you know, this game means a lot to all the kids and especially those guys that are from Colorado that get to go back home now and, and hopefully perform well in front of their, their family and friends in their home state. We've talked about a couple of those guys tonight. JoJo Doman, um, Sullivan is from Colorado. Um, I'm missing somebody. Eric Herkley Lee yep. from Colorado as well. Game is on natural grass. Have you been on the natural grass surface at all this week to work on that, or do you not worry about that? No, we have. We were uh, coach. Coach Frost had us outside uh, on the grass on Tuesday and Wednesday, which I'm I was happy about. I love I love being on the grass, anyways. Um, but it, it was great to to get those guys the footing out there and get used to uh, you know what we're going to play on on Saturday. But he had us out there uh, both Tuesday and Wednesday. Different shoes? They do, do. They wear different spikes or different shoes on grass. You know, I'm I'm not the fashion police anymore. And I I know we we have an awesome awesome uh, crew. Jay Terry heads yeah. that up, and um, he's got those guys and what they need to wear. And I try to. I try to limit myself as much possible to what they are wearing, unless it's something that's in a rule infraction. Otherwise, I try to stay out of that business. How'd you, you know, a week or so ago? I think it was a week ago Monday. You brought in some Coach Frost brought in some former players to hand out the black shirts. What did you think of that whole ceremony? Like, like I said before, it was an unbelievable moment for me. Um, it meant the world to me. I hope hope those guys understand that. It, it was an awesome, awesome deal. Um, I called all those, every one of those guys. It, kind of poor planning on my part. I, I asked Coach Frost if it was okay on, I think, Saturday, uh, Saturday night. I called every one of those guys on Sunday, and every one of them to a man said, what time do you need me there, Coach? I'll do whatever I can. Um, so it's an unbelievable thing that the brotherhood that the Black Shirts share, um, the message that they shared, and just their willingness to be there and their willingness to help our program, was it was, it was a great day for me, an honor. A couple of those guys were the Kelsey brothers who work for our good friends at Truck Center Companies. Every day is a road game for truckers and Truck Center Companies. Your local Freightliner dealer has kept you driving for over 40 years. Truck Center Companies, warriors on the road. You'll like hearing this. Ben meets with the players after the game for the locker room show. Talked to a couple of those defensive guys, and they were like, let's go right now. I'm ready to put the pads back on and go play Colorado right now. They were ready. They said they felt fresh after the game last week. That has to be music to your ears. Yeah, and I think that's that's something we've been trying to get instilled in them since we got here is we don't care who we play, where we play, or what time we play. And we tell them all the time, and I said this before, I hope Bill Belichick doesn't hear me and get mad, but <laughs> if, if the New England Patriots roll up in that bus in our parking lot and they roll out the ball, we're going to play them, we're going to go kick their ass whatever time of day it is. Um, and those kids have embraced that philosophy, and I couldn't be prouder of those guys. The culture's been set pretty well. You got you guys have to feel good that you're just early in year two, but the, the, the flip, the switch has flipped for this group. It really You can really tell the difference, and you're around them every day. Yeah, I think you can feel it. I think Coach Frost has a plan uh, for what he wanted to do, and, and the kids are following it. He's following it. We're following it. Um, you know, and it's just – it's so fun to be around these kids right now. It's such a, an honor to be able to be their, their coach, to be the defensive coordinator in Nebraska and just be around the building right now. It's an unbelievable feeling. You had to pull some 
double duty during spring because Coach DeWitt was still dealing with his, his cancer issue and wasn't able to be at a lot of the meetings and that type of thing. And I know you pulled double duty by coordinating but also kind of working with, with his position group at outside linebackers. Um, it seems like he's doing pretty well. Looks yeah. Like, looks like he's feeling pretty well. He's uh... – he looks great. Um, I think he feels great right now. Obviously, he's got some some things he still needs to tend to, um, but he's it's it's awesome to have him back. It's it's great to have him with special teams. It's great to have him with defense. Um, he's just a, he's another good man on our staff. He's a good dad and he's a good husband and he's a good friend. So it's it's just awesome to have him back in the building. All right, let's go to Colorado. Give me a couple things you're going to be emphasizing to the guys over the next 48 hours. Well, I think you know. I think something that gets left out a lot is you got a guy like Chenault and everybody needs to take him out of the game. We all know that, but we have to stop the run. We can't we can't overlook that. Um, and I think even though Montez isn't the fastest quarterback we're going to play this year, we can't let him out of the pocket, and we have to be able to stop him when he wants to run the football. All right, let's travel safe. Let's go get a win. Thank you. It's great to be here. Eric Chenander with us, Oscar Defensive Coordinator tonight. All right now, let's talk to Teddy. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, we have pulled him away from his Bears watch party tonight. Bears and Packers opening up the NFL. I bet the city's buzzing today with that thing going on. Beyond buzzing, Greg. I mean, this is this is not a game. This is an event. There was all sorts of stuff going on downtown, uh, you know, stuff at Grand Park or something with autograph signings and showing the game publicly. And you know, I've opted for uh, a, a sports bar, and um, this is a massive deal. I, I mean, here's how you know it's a huge deal: the tickets are going for like 48 percent more than they were for the playoff game Whoa. last year. I know. So if you wanted to go to the Bears game tonight, I think at minimum you're dropping like five or six hundred bucks. Um, you know, I think a couple of things. One, obviously, it's a Bears town. Like when I explain to people how much of a Bears town it is, this is what I say. I say picture being in New York and then the Yankees and Mets merged into one team. <laughs> That's yeah. how much interest there would be in that team. Or, you know, similar to – uh, the Maple Leafs in Toronto or the Huskers in Nebraska, if Nebraska had, I don't know, 20 times as many people or something like that. So people are obsessed with the Bears. They were unbelievably happy with every aspect of last year except the double doink. I mean, the team went 12-4. and four. Matt Nagy uh, coached well. Uh, Leo Mack dominated. So anyway, people are incredibly pumped. It's a Packers game. So uh, the enthusiasm knows no bounds. Yeah, that's part of it. You've got the Packers, who they their fans love to travel to, and that's an easy trip right. for them to come right down and, and be a part of that tonight. That'll be fun to continue to watch that game here tonight. Well, you uh, you were a traveling man last weekend. You did a little football doubleheader. Tell us about your trip. Yeah, I finally logged some some miles. It had been uh, it had been a little bit since I traveled. So started out at uh, Northwestern Stanford. That's one of those games where. I just go ahead and book the flight uh, before even getting the green light from the editor. You know, they're going to have to show in late August because it's such a beautiful setting. And then um, flew through Dallas and ended up making uh, Notre Dame Louisville. So, you know, one of the games was really, really boring. That would be the first one. And the other game was, was mildly entertaining. I mean, Louisville has some skill. I don't know if you saw these guys, but, man, they got some, some fast dude and, dudes, including a quarterback named Jawan Pass. 
who's, who's a better runner, of course. Um, but yeah, uh, Northwestern Stanford was incredibly disappointing. Uh, Northwestern averaged 3.5 yards per play. It's new quarterback, Hunter Johnson, um, I thought looked totally unprepared, which is what I asked Fitz about after the game. Got a little attention. Um, TJ Green looked better, the fifth year, uh, you know, former walk on, and he broke his foot. He's out for the year. Um, Notre Dame, uh, you know, certainly played better, uh, but had a bunch of flaws. So it was good to uh, get out and see some live ball. The the TJ Green injury is just crushing for me. Hunter Johnson yep. now kind of has the job by default, right, for Northwestern right. moving forward. Hundred percent. You know, Northwestern fans going into Stanford's game, they were looking at it like this. They were saying, "Well, if TJ Green is our quarterback, then this is a total failure uh, by the coaches because Hunter Johnson is a five-star guy. He was rated higher than Tua, and you know, Clemson started him and all that, and, and then he has a year off. So, so what the heck's going on here? I, I didn't look at that that dramatically. I said. You know, don't just assume that TJ isn't any good just because he's a walk-on. I mean, he played in, in a limited role last year, but he knows the system beautifully well. His father, Trent, was a 15-year NFL player. He's, a, you know, big enough, strong enough, good enough arm. So maybe he's good enough to, to lead Northwestern to a great season. And then it turned out he did play well. Now, he had a couple massive flaws on the play where he broke his foot. He's got a, 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 a running back flaring out to the right. All he's got to do is hit him. Instead, he holds on to the ball, holds on, holds on. He ends up fumbling and breaking his foot. Uh, so, so very sad there because the kid, it's one of those stories you root for where, you know, he had only one scholarship offer out of high school and was from North Dakota State. So he played well enough um, to start the second half and to basically be the, the quarterback, and then he gets hurt. So it is now Hunter Johnson's, and Hunter went 6-for-17 uh, with two interceptions and took two sacks against Stanford. But uh, it's definitely his show now. And um, if he's not good, Northwestern fans will be back to uh, freaking out and blaming the offensive staff. Well, it's an off week for the Cats. It's a little odd wrinkle. The Big Ten did well, 12-2 and in their opening weekend. Yep. How, how did you fare in your picks? I was pretty good, man. I was 9-6-1 and against the spread, and that includes – the hellaciously bad Northwestern beat, and I had um, Oregon plus the points against Auburn. If Auburn just kicks a game-winning field goal like they should, that would have been a victory. So um, uh, I, I enjoyed a lot of last week's games. You know, I did think Nevada w w was going to be real tough for Purdue, and that ended up being the case. Um, I was certainly wrong on Nebraska. I thought the Huskers were, were going to dominate that one. Um, wrong on Michigan, but yeah, um, you know, a good start for, for the league. I mean, other than Northwestern and Purdue, got a bunch of wins, a bunch of easy wins, and, and a lot of teams look good. Ohio State was, was curious. I, I saw when they led 28 nothing, you know, one-eighth into the game and then, uh, and then apparently stopped playing. Uh, this week, uh, I like a bunch of underdogs. Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting slate, man. Which, uh, which games do you have your eye on other than uh, the big one in Boulder? Well, LSU Texas has me nationally in the Big Ten. Yeah. I think it's gonna be an interesting, interesting story with Luke Fickle going back to the horseshoe. Uh, totally. The guy who was interim coach. I think that'll be interesting to see how the Bearcats hold up against the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean that's one where all of us seem to agree, man. Cincinnati plus sixteen. I, I really like that. I mean, Luke Fickle is doing a great job with the Cincinnati team. Just really shut down. UCLA and Chip Kelly last week, and obviously he knows the shoe better than anyone. He, he's familiar with 
some of Ohio State's personnel. You've got all those Cincinnati players who want to prove that Ohio State should have offered them a scholarship. They've got 40 or 50 in-state players. So, you know, we saw Ohio State last week. Obviously, when they put it all together, that's a, a dominant team. But based on what we've seen so far and just logic, I think that's going to be a much closer game uh, than 16. The interesting one is Army um, getting 22 at Michigan. I can look at that two ways. I mean, I think a lot of people think Don Brown's defense will be prepared for Army's triple option. I think when you're playing a team like Army that, you know, really limits the possessions, I love taking the points in that spot. You know, they just eat the clock. Army's a pretty good team, even though they didn't look good last week against Rice. And, um, you know, Michigan really did not look great against Middle Tennessee. Middle looked like the more uh, more athletic team for stretches of that game. Yeah, they sure did. I'll be interested to see how Purdue bounces back. They've got Vandy yeah. coming in uh this week and then hey we have a conference game Teddy Rutgers and <laughs> Iowa this week yeah I think the Rutgers winning streak is, is going to come to an end <laughs> at one I mean congratulations on on uh beating up UMass after falling down two touchdowns in that game but uh Rutgers now going on the road to Iowa and I, I don't think a lot of those players realize how tough a road venue that is Nebraska knows it. Northwestern knows it. You know, our fan bases out here know it. But uh, that's going to be a, a tough one. And Iowa looked looked pretty solid last week. The offense really came alive in that game. Sure did. All right, what's your plan for the week? What's your, what's your strategy? What do you got happening here? Well, I'm going to watch a ton of football Saturday. I'm extremely excited. With Northwestern and Notre Dame both being off, I'm going to sit tight. I, I might write a little something about the Fox pregame show. And Urban Meyer, I talked to him today. I think that is um, – I think that show's compelling, you know? I mean, it's not like it's going to outrate game day, but I think it's going to start to win a, a decent chunk of the audience away, or at the very least, when game day has those long commercials, people will be flipping to Fox and then maybe, uh, you know, checking out that noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central game. And then Sunday, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a little story on youth football, and uh, I think I'm going to watch some ball with uh, Pat Fitzgerald's wife, Stacy. Um, obviously, football's under assault in this country for probably some good and, and maybe some exaggerated reasons. Um, and, and participation of football is way down in Illinois, the state of Illinois. So it's an interesting time for the sport, and um, I'm going to get out there and, and see some little ones play ball. Oh, that'll be cool. We'll look forward to that. That Will that drop next week sometime? Um, sometime soon. Yeah, man, we'll see. Uh, we'll see next week or the following, I'd say. Well, when you were in Palo Alto, did you have a chance to go helmet shopping for Antonio Brown, or was that were you just too crammed, too busy? <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, I think even those who were defending him all along are, are just have just jumped ship. I mean, this guy is is such a pain, such a malcontent, and for it to happen after everyone's fantasy draft, I mean, that's really the crime <laughs> of the century, man. If you wanna, you know, if you wanna suspend a guy, you know, do it a couple weeks ago so uh, we can all plan accordingly. Very good. All right, we'll talk next week. Thanks, Greg. Well, one guy I'm looking forward to seeing when we get out to Boulder is Mark Johnson, the voice of the Buffaloes. We go a long ways back. Mr. Johnson, great to have you. 16 years, is that right, voice of the Buffaloes? Boy, when you put it in that context, it makes me sound kind of old. I can't believe it's been 16 years. But uh, 16 good years, not always a lot of winning football. Uh, Greg, it's, it's, we've had some down periods with the Buffs, but – you know, Mel Tucker's here, and I, I think everyone's feeling pretty optimistic about things. Well, let's talk about Mel. Good start to his tenure with a win last week. What changes have you noticed that he's put in place? You know, Mel Tucker coming from the SEC and where he has been as a as an assistant coach and a coordinator. He's worked three times for Nick Saban. He's been at Alabama, most recently Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, in the NFL. 
So he's been around a lot of wedding. And, and I tell you what, he brings that kind of confidence. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a cockiness, but there certainly is a confidence that he knows what to do. He knows what it takes to resurrect this program and get it back to what it once was. And, and uh, you see that. I think you see the accountability. I think, you know, the one word I've used, Greg, many times is uh, I've spoken around the state of Colorado, different groups about Mel, is it's non-negotiable. Uh, he has set the bar, and it's been made very clear to this team. And after spring ball, I think he said, this is what we're going to be. If, you, if you're not willing to be part of it, you know, I can help you find some other place to go. Mark, it looked like in just one game, uh, but it looked like against CSU that he was really trying to get a running game established. Is, 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 that, is that part of his plan, do you think? I think so. I mean, he said we're going to run the ball and run it on our terms, and they certainly did for almost 250 yards that ball game. But that, that's kind of refreshing for Colorado fans. We haven't seen that around here in a long time. Well, I was really hoping that the toe injury that, that kept Chenault out of a few games last year might pop back up. Man, what a tremendous player he is. That must be fun to call his games. It certainly is. I mean, I, I can say in 35 years of doing this, he might be the most dynamic football player I've ever had a chance to witness in calling games. And, and I know that the Huskers fans certainly saw that last year at Lincoln, and, and he's gotten bigger and stronger. He's healthy. And, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to use him as frequently in the backfield as they did a year ago to the previous staff, Greg, but uh, we certainly saw him back. So they'll get him the ball in any way they certainly can if they think the matchup is good because he's that dynamic a player. Steven Montez has certainly quarterbacked a lot of games at Colorado. What do you like about him? You know, I like that arm. Uh, he's there, There's no question about that arm strike. New offensive coordinator Jay Johnson said uh, to me one day during fall camp, he's got the most arm talent of anybody he's ever coached. He's got a cannon for an arm. Where he's made the strides, though, I think are between the ears. He's always had the physical. The mental's been coming, and Greg, that's been a tough transition for him. He's had three offensive coordinators in three years. That's tough on a quarterback when you're trying to learn to think the game, and, and I think it's starting to set in. I think he really managed the game well last week against Colorado State. Let's go to defense. A, a lot of new faces on that defense, and, and Mel Tucker, obviously, that's his specialty is that side of the football. What did you notice in week one? Well, they kept playing. I know the numbers weren't great. They gave up 31 points. They gave up almost 500 yards. They bent a lot, but they continued to play and continued to make plays. They had two interceptions. They forced two fumbles. They forced the ball on turnover on downs twice. And, and so that was what was impressive about them. I know the numbers weren't great, and they've got a lot of work to do and improve, but, but they continued to play. And, they, and I thought there were pretty good adjustments by that staff at halftime because it was really a, a, a game of two halves. First half, the Rams found some uh, you know, ways to nibble around the edges. In the second half, the Buffs shut that down. So they grew during that game, I think. Quite a way to start the season. I mean, the, the in-state rivalry with Colorado State, and even though we're not in the same league anymore, I still think that there's still some rivalry parts to this one today. I mean, I, that's a heck of a way to get the Mel Tucker era underway. Well, there's no doubt. And, and then throw in Air Force next yeah. week, so another regional rival. And, you know, those two teams haven't met since the mid-'70s. So, yeah, man. Mel got a baptism by fire to start his Colorado coaching career with CSU, Nebraska Air Force, and then jump into the always tough Pac-12. And it's not been an easy stretch, but he kind of embraces that. He, he said to me one day, he said, listen, I don't care who they put on it, we're going to play him because that's the mindset we have to have if we want to be a championship football program. And so he's kind of embraced the tough schedule. Tell me about the staff, Mark, that he's put together. Well, you know, that's the one thing I, I was most interested, Greg, to see last week was how that staff kind of meshed. He brought a lot of guys from Georgia with him. And there were some guys who were quality control type guys. And so they've been elevated into position coaches. Uh, Jay Johnson's an experienced coordinator. Tyson Summers 
has got some experience, but but not as, as much as, as maybe Jay Johnson has on the offensive side. So I was interested to see what that group would do. And I'll, I'll tell you this, it was a clean football game. They seemed to get the message across to the players. They seemed to make adjustments. The communication was good. Because they, that was, like I said, they only had four penalties. They had no turnovers. They gave up no sacks. So they, they certainly passed the test in game number one. But I think that's a, that's a part of this team I'm going to continue to watch throughout the season. Husker fans, Mark, are excited that this, this series has been revived. And this is game two of a four-game set. What about Buffalo fans? Are they glad to see the Huskers back on the schedule? Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I, I think there's hope that, you know, maybe we could find some future dates again down the road because I think this is good for the bus program. It's, it's good, I think, maybe for both programs, for the fan base. Uh, we had a lot of spirited games, obviously, back in the Big 7, the Big 8, the Big 12. And it's good to renew this thing because, you know, Rick George made a comment uh, the other day, this is going to be the highest revenue game in Colorado football history. So I, I can tell you, Buff Nation is certainly excited about seeing uh, the Big Red coming to town. Well, Mark, always great to catch up. Uh, thanks for the time and looking forward to seeing you in person. All right. Me as well. Mark Thompson, voice of the Buffaloes, getting ready to call the game on the CU Network this weekend. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Mick, to all of you. We're tomorrow night on the row. We'll be kind of multiple locations. Nate Rohr is on his way to Colorado as we speak. Ben and I are with the team tomorrow. We're going to be landing about the time Sports Nightly starts. We're going to join you in progress. Nate will get the show underway, and then we'll finish it out uh, along with Nate tomorrow night here on Sports Nightly. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from Colorado. Good night.